Hello, everyone, and welcome to the A2 Life Podcast with James Oney, the Minister of Education and Discipleship at Ridgecrest Baptist Church. I'm your host, Chase Falk, and our desire through this podcast is to equip and encourage people to fulfill the Great Commission by focusing on a lifestyle centered in Acts chapter 2. James. Hey, man. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good as well. And we are joined today on the A2 Life podcast by That's another right. guest that I'm going to let James introduce. Yes, man. You know, this is my main squeeze, my buttercup, my lovely heart of flowers and all of the good stuff. I don't know. I'm just, you know. That was I, good. I kind of get, you know, a little tongue-tied when, when my wife is on, you know. <laughs> the, the nerves are rolling, Chantel. So. Sure. Well, thank you all for having me on the podcast today. I appreciate that. Yeah, we're excited to have you and excited uh, for a conversation, James. It's been a little yeah. while since we've had the podcast just mm-hmm. due to uh, circumstances of our the pandemic, COVID-19, and really, uh, really an interesting time of our nation and our yeah. country all together because of the pandemic and then uh, a lot of upheaval in a lot of different ways due to uh, things that are going on. Um, in different areas of our country. And that really brings us to kind of the head of what we want to talk about. And really, this is a, we're not exactly sure how many part series of a conversation on the A2 Life podcast. We kind of have an idea, but um, uh, this is going to be an ongoing conversation. I think it's a worthwhile ongoing conversation and uh, something that we are entitling race and the kingdom. And uh, James and Chantel, so thankful for the opportunity just to talk about this, to be uh, a little transparent and honest and, and just listen and uh, just talk together about how do we deal with where we are in a, as our country? How do we deal with it as Christians? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do we even help um, some of the things mm-hmm. as far as our yeah. families deal with it, like moms and dads talking to their kids? How do they handle those conversations and that kind of thing? And so, Absolutely. James, just get us going today as we think about race in the kingdom. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this topic with my wife and um, be able to, uh, I think, let me put it this way. What we see a lot of times is, uh, I, I, I told my wife this um, uh, many times, I probably I believe, but she probably get tired of it. But there's two facets we're looking at. We're looking at the world and we're looking at the church. And what's going on in today's society, um, uh, there's a way to respond. Uh, you can respond the way with how the world responds, or you can respond the way how the church responds. Typically, the world responds uh, the, the way they kind of solve this particular problem as far as race is concerned is by showing the divide in the injustice. But when you're looking at uh, Christians or believers, uh, the way we should respond or the way we should solve or address uh, race is by showing the unity the cross provides. And, uh, and so uh, looking into uh, scripture first. And, uh, uh, you know, we've said this many times that scripture is sufficient for everything. That's right. Um, you know, uh, we believe the inerrancy, infallibility uh, of God's word. And, and, uh, and so when we say, hey, as far as believers, we're coming on this common ground. As far as believers, if we believe in God's word, let's take God's word and see what he says about what's going on in our country today. And so um, I, I, I pulled up something. It's a seminary that trains uh, pastors, leaders, and, and so forth. But it's interesting because they are getting away from the scripture. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, they actually um, 
made some, uh, I would say some manifestos or declarations in a sense. And um, I'm going to read, uh, I think, two of them. One of them, and this is concerning scripture, says, while divinely inspired, we deny the Bible is inerrant or infallible. It was written by men over centuries and thus reflects both God's truth and human sin and prejudice. We affirm that biblical scholarship and critical theory helps us discern which messages are God's. That's dangerous. That's crazy. You know, this is a a seminary that is training pastors and leaders and teachers and and so forth. And and if we get if we do away with the Bible, then what what do we have? You know, and so. um, So uh, when you think about this, James, um, I think first in in all of this, what I love at the beginning is just to clarify and just as a reminder we're, we're talking on the common ground of this conversation directly to believers. Yes. So for you listening out there, understand the context of that um, and grasp the difference. And again, as James has already done a great job of helping us see the response of a non-believer versus the response of a believer. And so for the believer out there, allowing the Word of God to be center, centered in everything that we do mm-hmm. and, and the decisions we make and the directions we take, um, you know, our pastor said this past Sunday, not letting the world dictate the, the what we think God is telling us, but mm-hmm. let mm-hmm. full scripture, That's right. um, the, his word and, and the direction of his Holy Spirit, let that dictate yeah. our, our steps and that dictate what's next. And so, James, as we kind of process through this in the next few episodes and think about uh, some historical context of, of race, some things about uh, how does that historical context influence today? Mm-hmm. Um, those are some things that we want to talk about. How do we have conversations with our kids? Um, what should our goal be as far as how do we get back yeah. to what we're going to talk about uh, talk about today, the race of the kingdom? And then really, what do we do now? How yeah. do we respond? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. And so this is, again, just a reminder for all of you listening, man, stay with us on this journey of a conversation over the next few podcasts and really at least five, if not more, uh, just different topics, because we want to help through this podcast as we think about discipleship. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. James, we always Absolutely. talk about that. We want to help you grow in this area so that you can walk as Jesus mm-hmm. uh, would have walked in yeah. the context of us today. And so today's question, James, what is the race of the kingdom? Yeah, uh, well, uh, we would have to go to scripture, obviously, and uh, we'll go and look into Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, 11 through 18 and uh, let uh, my beautiful bride uh, read that and we'll talk a little bit on some uh, things there. Ephesians 2 11 through 18 reads, So then, remember at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time you were without Christ excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. He made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God and in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. 
He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So we see this this great divide or, or this distinction in a sense. You see this distinction, this distinction is between Jew and Gentile. Um, uh, God made that distinction because when he called Abraham, uh, Abraham was uh, classified as Jew because of the fact of the covenant uh, that he made uh, with Abraham. Now we have Jew and Gentiles, and this is a distinction that we have in Scripture. And so is there, great, is there, there is a great divide here, and we see that you have uh, nationalism takes place. Uh, you see cultural pride. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, just, you know, being a, a part of a culture. And this, you know, I, I love being in this culture. Uh, but, you know, having this type of pride that I'm above this, you know, I'm above any other cultures in that sense. And, uh, and then you had religious claim that was uh, a great divide, too, within the Jews and Gentiles. And so uh, as we can see, we uh, you see in Ephesians how it emphasizes four things that that Gentiles uh, don't belong. I mean, they I mean, they're separated, you know. Uh, they're alienated. They're strangers. Uh, they have no hope at all. Um, and that's that's interesting there because Gentiles were not apart, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and so they were separated. And and something happened. Christ came. And and Christ uh, uh, died on the cross, shed his blood, and so now both groups who were formerly uh, alienated uh, from each other by reason of fierce nationalism or cultural pride or uh, even in uh, religious claim are united to become one. Uh, They're not united to become one. So cultures and classes that had uh, been separated by walls of of prejudice and and tradition are now open to one another. And in the lines of of connection and conversation are established, it, it is the... It is this, I guess, twofold imagery, if you will, of a double reconciliation because we're reconciled to God and they're reconciled to each other. Uh, um, they've been brought near by the blood. They've been made one. That scripture says is they, it, uh, it, what happened is the, um, the hostility has been broken down. It broke down that dividing wall. Uh, now uh, uh, Christ made peace. And so he reconciled both Jew and Gentile to God and to each other. It's interesting because when you're looking at reconciliation, uh, uh, you have to. Uh, there has to be a separation before there's a reconciliation, mm-hmm. and so um, uh, they were separated. But now reconciliation. Re- what reconciliation does? Uh, reconciliation does a transformative work in us. Uh, uh, we become new creatures or a new creation, if you will. Um, uh, uh, so, so reconciliation is, is a coming together, uh, basically of two persons. Now my wife and I, you know, we, um, uh, it's been a while since we had, you know, big spats or whatnot. Uh, but, uh, when was we that did, like a week ago, <laughs> I, know, right? no, it, I mean, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it was the other day, you know, she's not, nah. <laughs> it's been a while, it's been a while, had, but had, had last hour or two, but <laughs> yeah. Um, what they say a New York minute, you know, <laughs> but anyway, it's, yeah. uh, 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 but it's been a while. So, but when we have that, uh, particular, um, uh, friction, you know, that comes in between us, 
um, there's something that has to be done because our fellowship is broken mm-hmm. and, um, and our relationship is strained. Um, uh, it, what has to be done is it has to be a coming together, you know, um, a, a basically dying to self, to dying yeah. to each other. And that's, that's difficult, wouldn't mm-hmm. you uh, say? Most definitely. <laughs> um, I'm not one necessarily to apologize. Um, I know that's probably not the <laughs> best thing to do. Um, but nonetheless, it is, there is definitely friction in the relationship. So we have to make it a point to come back together in order to reconcile um, the relationship. And when we look at, you know, that word reconcile, that's a verb. I mean, mm-hmm. that denotes action, yeah. that something has to be able to take place um, in that. Mm-hmm. So reconciliation is about this, this, this process of restoring the relationship, the mm-hmm. fellowship that was broken. And when we, we can trace this all the way back to Genesis. You know, God was all about restoring the the fellowship, the relationship that was broke from the time Mm -hmm. um, Adam and Eve sinned. And I mean, we look at it up until now. I mean, we we can we can look at Noah Mm -hmm. um, and the ark and how God was all about restoring his people into a relationship with him. And then when we look at the cross of Christ, you know, his death was all about God wanted relationship and fellowship with us. So reconciliation, that's a verb. That's action that denotes that somebody is doing something, you know. So I think it's very important for us to just kind of look at the idea of. You know, God reconciled not just Jew, not just Gentiles, not just He reconciled both, mm-hmm. not just to Him, right. but also to each other. Yeah. You know, and we have to keep that in perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love, I love that. Um, you know, it's interesting because a removal of enmity happens by an exchange. Mm-hmm. When you see that, you know, uh, the exchange was His blood, my sin. Right. You know, yeah. uh, His death for my debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, our filthiness for His righteousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, his death provided a way for us to be in a right relationship with him and with each other. Amen. Amen. And all we have to do is walk in it. Amen. And so, and now as believers, you know, Paul said that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and I think that in that context, yes, it's talking about, you know, um, uh, telling people about uh, obviously Christ and what Christ did, but also the, those relationships he established along the way mm-hmm. as well. And obviously, you know, Paul was talking in a context of Jew and Gentiles, you know, and the hostility that was there as, as well. So so both have access now in, in Scripture. It says both have access uh, in one spirit. I mean, we look at the temple setup, you know, um, uh, uh, when you had the priest, the high priest, um, uh, and, and, and um, he basically can go anywhere, you know, uh, within the, the temple. And then outside of that, you had uh, Jewish men, you know, or you had priests and you had Jewish men. And then you had um, uh, uh, Jewish ladies or women or whatever. And then at the very back, you had Gentiles. I mean, now these were those who were supposed to, uh, you know, be a part of the kingdom because they were going to the temple to worship. Mm -hmm. But they were in the back. And what happens is Jesus does something very miraculous. He splits the veil. Now they all have access, Amen. you Amen. know, to him uh, together. Now, I do want to make note of this. I, I'm not saying that that uh, uh, <laughs> blacks are Gentiles, because when you look at it, Gentiles are all of us who are not Jews. Amen. Yeah. 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 You know, and yeah. so and so when we're looking at that, 
we should be excited because of the fact that we have access to God now, right. you know, and we are considered one right. with Jews mm-hmm. right. in that sense. And so uh, this is us in yeah. a sense, you know. Yeah. So when you think about that for kind of just this understanding of this scripture, Ephesians 2, 11 and following, like, I guess as we kind of wrap up this conversation today, so because we are Gentiles, let's kind of wrap up with understanding of what does that mean now for mm-hmm. us as the mm-hmm. race of the kingdom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, uh, uh, it, it's, it's interesting when you're looking at Revelation uh, chapter 7. And um, uh, matter of fact, it says, what, what verse was that in, David? Chapter 7, verse 9. It says, uh, I'll read it and I'll let uh, Chantel talk a little bit on this. Um, it says, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one uh, could number from every ethnos. It says nation. Yeah. Gentiles. That's what Gentile is. It's nation. Mm-hmm. Ethos. Uh, ethnos. Um, and all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb and just looking at Revelation 7 verse 9 we get this picture of the diversity of heaven and what it's going to look like We have people that are from every tribe, every nation. And it's interesting when James mentioned the the, the word ethnos, nation, meaning Gentile. So if we were to read that, we get this idea of, and there was a vast multitude of every Gentile, every person on the face of this earth who knows Christ as Savior and Lord. So we get this picture of heaven is going to be diverse. And people there, they're not going to look like me. Mm -hmm. They're not going to look like Chase, you know. Um, Everybody is going to be different. We're going to look different because we're all there for one common purpose, and that purpose is to worship the Lord. Mm -hmm. It's not about us or anything like that, but that purpose is strictly to worship our Father. Yeah, you know, um, it, it's interesting because of the fact that, um, and we say this a lot, that uh, now my wife and I, we, we love our melanin, you know. We love the, <laughs> the, 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 you know, <laughs> we have a lot of melanin and we like right, that. Right, yeah. And so, uh, uh, but my color is, 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 is second place to the kingdom. Right. We are a part of a larger family, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and that is the kingdom of God. Um, and so my people, in that sense, if we want to look at it in, in a broad context, is the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I love how, uh, you know, in Ruth and Noe, no, uh, Noemi, <laughs> Naomi. <laughs> James is always really good at renaming oh, man, people you know, or, or no. <laughs> combining. You know. Uh, I, I renamed Rehoboam to Rehoboam. Rehoboam, yeah. And then yesterday you combined something. It was like. Yeah, it was, it was weird. But it's all good. It was Jonah and Tarsus or something. It was Jarnish or something Jarnish. like that. <laughs> so we're, we're looking at um, uh, 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 Naomi and, and Ruth. And, and something interesting happens because Ruth says this. She says, look, that's uh, my people is your people. 
You know, yeah. I'm just going to put it that way. You know, your God is my God. She left her identity. Yeah. And she went with the kingdom in a sense. I mean, it, when you're looking at it. And so uh, uh, that was her people. That was her people. Um, uh, I love uh, what Alex Kochman said. He said, when we swallow the world's insistence that we divide into classes and categories, ethnic, uh, economic, or otherwise, we undermine biblical anthropology and invite the sin of partiality into our midst. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, For the Apostle Paul, uh, believers from all ethnic backgrounds are one in Christ, and their divisions no longer matter because we're one in Christ. When we look at division, the main person that tries to divide and conquer is Satan. That's right. It's the enemy. Um, One author, he said this, and I disagree in some respects. He said, um, uh, there will come a day when it won't be based on ethnicity. It's going to be based on you knowing Jesus. That that means everybody has to be equally clean, uh, cleaned by the blood of Jesus. Now, this is correct that in that all of us need cleansing by the blood. But when he says there will come a day when. Uh, it won't be based on ethnicity. It's not based on ethnicity now because we are a part of the kingdom yeah. as far as believers go. Yeah. Um, and so um, it's not about our ethnicity in that sense. Now, I think ethnicity is important. I think uh, uh, it shows the diversity of God's beautiful creation. Amen. But at the same token, we are part of a larger picture. And it's not about ethnicity, but it's about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. It's about the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, when you think back to Revelation 7, just for a minute, there was something I was reading uh, recently, and it, it stated this about that, and it argued that uh, God never intended for his body to be one group that all looked the same. Mm-hmm. It said, from the beginning of Scripture to the end, the message of unity and diversity in the family of God is powerful. Unity was sown in the very fabric of creation, from one man, Adam, and all mankind was created. And, you know, mm-hmm. as I think about that understanding of unity, there being diversity but then unity, and as we look at Ephesians 2 today and grasp the fact that the common bond for mm-hmm. every single person um, as far as the being in Christ is Christ himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, dealing with teenagers, dealing with the church life, you deal with moments where people come in, they just don't feel like they fit in. Like, I don't have anything in common with yeah. anybody else. Yeah. And looking at the life of a teenager and say, yeah, you might go to a different school. Mm-hmm. Yes, you might look different. Yes, you might have different personalities or different mm-hmm. things. But if you know Jesus and he knows Jesus, yeah. there's common ground Absolutely. there. Absolutely. And the common ground that we all have that brings true unity, it gives us the, the ability to say today, the race of the kingdom is that of of one race mm-hmm. uh, of children of God mm-hmm. is because of the work of Christ. That's right. And we as the church, um, you know, today and all together, you know, have the opportunity to bring great hope to the world by walking out mm-hmm. that unity and yeah. walking yeah. out that common uh, bonds with each other, no matter if we like the same football team mm-hmm. or we don't like the same football That's team right. or if we like Chick-fil-A or don't like Chick-fil-A, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know who doesn't like Chick-fil-A, yeah, right. <laughs> but whatever that, whatever the, the, the level of uh, disunity is in us, mm-hmm. we can, we can see that there is that common mm-hmm. ground. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, 
when you continue to read Ephesians and you're looking at uh, Paul says one so many times. I mean, he says one uh, or or uh, together mm-hmm. uh, quite often in in the scriptures, and uh, it, it's a beautiful picture. He's just trying to he's trying to tell them, guys, look, Jews, Gentiles, we are one. Mm-hmm. We're together. Um, and then you get in uh, Ephesians six, and I think he's 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 saying this in this context. He's like, look, we're we're wrestling against wickedness. It's not flesh and blood. You know, y'all trying to fight against yourselves. This yeah. is, it, it is a darker force that is at work. Right. And, and and so we need to recognize that the vision is caused by this darkness. Mm-hmm. And so um, he was always trying to get them uh, to un- uh, unify. Yeah. So as we think about everything we've said today, you know, it goes back to this understanding of the kingdom mm-hmm. and being heavenly minded, but in that living day to day in the world that we're uh, we're placed in. And mm-hmm. so if you're listening today, it's just, I think, an encouragement for all of us to just daily pray. Say, God, help me um, as Matthew six thirty three to mm-hmm. seek first your kingdom. Help mm-hmm. me live out of what your kingdom really looks like here on this earth, the common thread of Jesus uh, through all of us. Um, and let that be the basis yeah of the lens that we mm-hmm. see the world around us. Would yeah. y'all agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And absolutely. so, uh, James, Chantel, any last thoughts as we kind of wrap up today? You know, one thing that I would just, you know, speak to is just James mentioned it when we first opened. It's just recognizing that God has already addressed the issues that we're facing right now in our yeah. world. Yeah, that's good. So if God has already addressed it, then that tells us that his word is, James said it earlier, his word is sufficient for what we're going through right now. He already has the answer. As believers, we have to be willing to seek his face in order to know those answers and be able to apply it to our own individual lives and how we go about our day-to-day business. Because when we think about something being a fish sufficient, we're saying that it's it's enough. It's just exactly what we need. And, you know, I'm reminded of in 2 Kings 4, and also in First Kings, Second um, Kings four goes back to Elisha, mm-hmm. um, and in this particular instance, we are given the account of the widow's oil. Okay, mm-hmm. and in this picture, the woman um, she goes to Elijah. Her husband has died. The creditors are coming, and guess what they about to do? They about to take her kids. Okay, <laughs> they about to take her kids as slaves. Mm-hmm. Right? And Elisha said, "Well, what do you have?" And she says, "I have nothing except." this jar of oil mm-hmm. okay and he told her i want you to go borrow some empty containers mm-hmm. okay and he says don't just get a few but get more than what you think you need okay mm-hmm. and then i want you to come in i want you to shut the door she comes in she shuts the door and then she begins to pour the oil into the containers okay and she puts the full ones aside so she she's pouring filling putting aside pouring filling putting aside <laughs> okay and then and she tells her son, "Go, I need another container, okay? And then she, he says that we're out of containers. And then the scripture says the oil stopped, okay? When I just kind of, when I look at that, first we see that this woman, that she's going to the man of God, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, she's putting God priority in yeah. the first place where yeah. he should be, okay? Because of that, it's only when there were no more containers that the oil stopped. Mm-hmm. So the woman had just enough mm-hmm. 
to not only pay her debts, but the scripture also notes that her and her sons lived off of rest. Mm. So when we say that God is sufficient, we're saying that he is enough. That's His right. word is enough for everything that we're going through. So it shouldn't be based on opinions. That's right. You know, um, right. it shouldn't be based upon a disregard for God's word mm. or in addition to God's word. Yeah. All we need is God's word in order to bring some sort of order to the chaos yeah. that we see. And we see That's that good. when the church is out in front of it, and we've heard it probably on so many different platforms, when the church is out in front of the issues that we have going on in our world, mm -hmm. guess what? Things begin to change yeah, because good. now the world is taking their follow through and their response from what the church is already doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so I just think it's important, you know, for Preach. us to remember that good. God's word is sufficient. You know, we see yeah. the same thing with Elijah and the widow. She only had a handful of flour mm -hmm. and a little oil. She's going to go make some cakes. Then she said her <laughs> and her son's going to die. He said, you know, first make me one. You know, after you make me one, then you can make you and your son one. Okay. Then the Bible tells us, guess what? That not only did Elijah eat, her and her son ate, but she's, the Bible says that they had enough for days yeah. in order to eat. So we got this woman, once again, putting God first, yeah. okay, taking care of the man of God, using the flour, the bit of oil she had. And guess what? She had just enough. Mm -hmm. She had what was sufficient for her need, for her struggle at that time. Yeah. So I think the application for us today is that since God is sufficient and he has already addressed these issues in his word, Guess what? If he is sufficient, we don't need to add anything to it. Mm -hmm. We don't need to take away from it, but just use God's word in order to bring some chaos, some, some, some order to yeah. the chaos that we see occurring all around us. Absolutely. Yeah, so. that, that reminds me so much of uh, just what I read even this morning. I've been walking through the book of James and James 4, and then specifically this quote from um, Oswald Chambers, he said, there's a difference between devotion to a person and a devotion to principles or to a cause. Our mm -hmm. Lord never pro proclaimed a cause. He proclaimed personal devotion to himself. Mm -hmm. And James 4, as I was reading and correlating both of this together, talks so much about how God resists the proud, but gives grace to the mm -hmm. humble. Mm -hmm. So yeah. being people that are walking out to the humility of Christ yeah. Yeah understanding my devotion to Jesus mm -hmm. centered through my relationship in his word and time in prayer um, should out of the overflow of all that lead to my dealings in the world mm -hmm. today. Yeah. Um, my devotion to him versus just a devotion um, to a cause. Yeah. Yeah. Because we still have a responsibility. You know, we have a devotion to the Lord, but we still have a responsibility to my brothers and my right. sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. right. You know, and being able to, the only way we know how to fulfill that responsibility is through God's word. Right. When we're looking to other sources mm -hmm. to help us find yeah. fulfillment, right. then guess what? What right. we've automatically done, we've placed that source mm -hmm. in a priority over God's word. That's and God's right. word should be first. That's right. So Absolutely. good. James, any last thoughts? Man, I think y'all both said it well. <laughs> well, guys, what a fun beginning talk. Yeah. And uh, like we've said, uh, for those of you that are listening, this is just the start. This just kind of really laid a foundation uh, to a lot uh, more conversations in the days ahead that will bring pr more practical understanding, bring more practical, like, hey, here's some thoughts of what yeah. to do next and how to handle this or that. Um, in the world that we're living in right now. But let this be the beginning, the common ground, again, 
uh, for believers centered in word and God's word. Read Ephesians two. Mm-hmm. Uh, read that whole chapter. If you, mm-hmm. I mean, just begin processing what God's yeah. word says about. It. If your kids are asking questions, yeah. Hey, let's say let's open the Bible together and let's yeah. let's Amen. look at that together Amen. at home. Um, if somebody your your coworkers like say, hey, you might not have an answer, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But say, hey, I'm going to check and see what the scripture says about this, and I'll yeah. come talk to you about it tomorrow. Yeah. Let it be everything uh, that you center your conversations um, in. And so as we wrap up today, we'll wrap up like we do um, every podcast because all of this is still centered in our mission as a church of reaching the lost, building the believer, and connecting the people of God to the mission and purpose of God. So the question for you is, who are you reaching? Who is God putting your path right now to share uh, the good news of who Jesus is, to show that to them and to allow them to experience what you have in Christ. Secondly, how are you being built up to then in turn build up other people? And so who are you, uh, how are you being built up? And then next question is how are, uh, excuse me, who are you building up? There we go. And then lastly, uh, how are you connecting? Amazing thought, right where you live, work and play, God has a plan and purpose to use you um, to be uh, a person that people see him and glorify him uh, through your life. And so how are you connecting uh, where God has you for his glory? Thank you for listening and being a part of this podcast today with James Oney, the Minister of Education and Discipleship at Ridgecrest Baptist Church. Our desire through the A2 Life podcast is to equip and encourage people to fulfill the Great Commission by focusing on a lifestyle centered in Acts chapter 2. If you have more questions or desire to talk to someone more about making disciples and what that looks like here at Ridgecrest Baptist Church, you can reach out to our church office, email one of us. We would love to have those conversations with you in the days ahead. We look forward to more of what God's going to do as we focus on a life centered in Acts chapter 2.